0: Hello, good evening, and welcome. I'm Simon Bestwick.
1: And I'm Gemma Files. And this is, of course, No Darkness, no darkness But Art. Ours. But ours. So, um, this week, I believe, we are talking about <laughs> what we've, we've decided to call uh, found footage uh, narrative tactics. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And um, so, essentially, taking... Um, some of the strategies that you use when you make a found footage movie and um applying them to literature
0: yeah which is kind of I mean, in a way it's it's kind of coming it's kind of something coming full circle because i mean one of the oldest kind of narrative things is to present the manuscript as as a found narrative like the manuscript found in a bottle by poe oh so yes. many of them following on from mr james which are our last couple of podcasts you know so he he went to great pains to present so many of his stories as if they were, you know, actual, you know, as if he was you know, drawing on actual documents and actual events. Um, even, I mean, you know, in, in, in so many of his stuff, using his his uh, scholarly background to do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Either it would be like an anecdote that he had from a friend of his. And I'm, you know, and he's recounting it. Um And the way that it was uh, the the way that it was told to him, um, the uh, that that classic kind of you know five guys hanging around in a (laughs) in a a gentleman's club somewhere, except without the hookers uh, and blow, Um, and um, you know smoking cigars and oh I've got a ghost story let me tell you about this which then uh, Susan Hill um, uh, quite rightfully. Uses the crap out of in uh, the women, the woman in black. Um, but yeah, uh,
0: I mean the, the the stalls of Barchester is is I mean, a perfect example. I mean he, this is literally. Well, I found this stuff. I I, I found some of this stuff as I was going through um, as I was going through some old documents in the college library, and you are know, piecing it together from. Oh, here's this bit from the paper, and then here's so and so's diaries, and and here's this oh, letter. Oh
1: yeah, and all of that. Yeah, and and what I love about that is that he ends up using um, beautifully the, the three things that I think um, inform a uh, founded footage narrative or uh, an epistolary, not a narrative, uh, a collage narrative, I've heard it called sometimes, but the three things that inform it uh, best, which are um, the idea of presentation, um, how do you organize this stuff that you found uh, to tell the story that is inherent in the in the material um, and provenance, who organized the stuff, did they leave out some stuff? Did they put some stuff in? Are they presenting it in a a particular way? Could it be presented a different way? And of course, liminality, where you are literally um, inviting people to read between the lines. Uh, and say, mm, is there more to this? <laughs> is am, am I? I'm getting an idea. Is that the idea I'm supposed to be getting? <laughs> um, and you know, it, it has this beautiful puzzle box kind of, um, kind of uh, ring to it. And I, it's, you know, I mean, ever since I read. Bram Stoker's Dr. Acula, I was going to say, there's would, would the say. classic example yeah.
0: <laughs> of a large narrative, and some, some of its documents, and in Dr. Seward's case, that's actually that's actually recorded medium, it's just his diary's in of
1: That's right, yeah, you know, it's like, um, again, going back to the idea that Dracula is, is a techno-thriller, you know, it's sort of like we're going to have wax recordings, and we're going to, you know, and um, you know, uh, Mina is going to transcribe stuff on uh, on a a typewriter. <laughs>
0: you know, and the journals and, kept uh, shorthand, you know, and which totally perplexes perplexes Dracula when he when he. because
1: yeah, Dracula's never seen.
0: It's like I I, so I,
1: like, I, I can read English, but <laughs> shorthand I, what. I,
0: I did see What's a stage called Bats, which was basically a kind of very irreverent, anarchic spoof of, of Dracula. I don't know, and, 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 and setting up a lot of it. But they had this whole thing where um, uh, where Jonathan and Mina, uh, where, where Mina would start going on about time tape, about train timetables and which connection to get where and basically turning herself and Jonathan on madly uh, by, uh, yes. by doing so in the yes. process.
1: Yeah, exactly, because, you know, this is just his. Uh, this is just, you know, uh, Stoker's way of going. No, no, no. This is happening right now. You yeah. could look up some train timetables right now.
0: <laughs> but another element of it, of course, is verisimilitude, because I mean, you you kind of have to do that extra bit of lifting with um with a uh, with with a narrative of the supernatural, because you're you're very much trying to get um you talk about liminality in the sense uh, 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 you know that sense of, of a sort of a kind of a borderline thing you are ca- in a way you're trying to kind of blur that kind of line between is this fiction or oh, is this actually something that could is this a fictionalized account or is it an account of something that actually happened and yes. you know, that yeah you get yeah. that kind of and, kind yeah. of, um, and i remember I, I, years ago i got hold of a um a collection of robert westall's ghost stories antique dust and some prick uh, obviously, very, very bitter and unhappy individual had scribbled all these increasingly nasty pencil notes in the margins. Um, you know, ranging from the just, you know, pettish and you know, old anti- antique dealers are all scum, crocks, blah blah blah, and Mars bars, horrid rubbish, poison. Then the one one character talked about listening to Ada Fitzgerald, and there was a uh, horrid racial epithet squawks at which point oh it was, I, I really want to get. I'm glad, I hope this person is, I mean, it ended up becoming a novella um, called Until My Darkness Goes, which is my first collection inspired by this, just imagining this horrible, baneful prick who'd written all this kind of clinging on to existence through this book but um one re- one of those really annoying snarky comments that people you get sometimes was in, in one of the stories it isn't in- it is impo- it's impossible to build tension in a first person narrative we know he survives or he wouldn't be able to tell us the story and it's <laughs> like hold my beer I write horror um <laughs> I,
1: yeah
0: like, exactly story, it's entirely, but the found footage thing or that all that that document that you know, found manuscript thing you can actually it's like you can have your cake and eat that yeah. so it's like yeah this person yeah this is, you have all the immediacy of the first person narrative but yeah this person you don't know this person survived this could be i mean that this is possibly taken to this uh, you you in one of lovecraft's revisions the diary of alonzo typer where which ends with <laughs> You know, black (laughs) paws materialize and being dragged towards the cellar. (laughs)
1: Yes, (laughs) and 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 writing madly as I go, writing madly as I go. I mean, my, uh, my, yeah. I mean, there. Basically, you're always stuck with the problem as uh, a horror writer of I have to tell you something that that can't happen happened I have to tell you I have to tell you a story where I begin by saying okay so you know this doesn't actually happen but let's let's assume that it does (laughs) particularly when you're when you're talking about the supernatural but even uh you know I've 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 had people um have their suspension of disbelief broken simply because it's like now how could all these things happen to one person (laughs) <laughs> and really, the only, you know, the, really, really the only, uh, I mean, my favorite example of that was um, a, a guy who left the, uh, bad review of experimental film and was sort of like, I just don't even understand how she could, you know, be on all these painkillers and have this problem and that problem and all this insomnia and be so unhappy. You know, it it just doesn't make any sense. I I don't know how she's managing to write a book at all. And I'm like, motherfucker. (laughs) I was
0: going to say, that that was me. (laughs) I was going to say, this was, I mean... I mean obviously I wanted to maybe because we both kind of worked in this in this format ourselves in our own work and it's something definitely want to talk about later but I would say I mean were you ever tempted just instead of to just go the whole hog and just call the character Gemma Files and just you know kind of actually kind of blur that distinctions that people would actually be thinking Hang on a minute. Could this have actually been something that happened to her? Well, I
1: I know I know you did that with Black Mountain, a wonderful effect. But no, actually, I I never was tempted to to say that you know it, it was something that happened to me. Even though um, you know I read uh, I read Crash by J.G. Ballard a long time ago. I, I read it in, I read it in university in in one of those um, yellow back uh, Faber and Faber copies. Well, oh, yeah. they tell you absolutely nothing about the book. <laughs> so I just opened it and started reading and I and it and, and it was in the library and I began laughing out loud and eventually had to rent the book just so that I could leave. <laughs> <laughs> because they wouldn't have let me stay. But um yeah, you know, it's like Ballard is is basically his own character. It's like this yeah. is me, JG Ballard writing about the time when I was fucking my wife mrs ballard <laughs> you know? and then and then i got in a terrible car crash <laughs> and <laughs> ended up fucking a whole bunch of other people you know and yes. having sex with somebody's wound <laughs>
0: yeah. apparently one one of the publishers readers on when rejecting the uh the manuscript actually uh, actually yeah. said this author is beyond psychiatric help do not publish <laughs>
1: Yeah. supposed to be the kind oh, of so he's, <laughs> he is totally lying he was never in a terrible car accident you know but then when you fold in the fact that JG Ballard is also essentially the same kid from Empire of the Sun <laughs> you yeah know, it's I think like too. other people would be like how could how could so many things have happened to one person?
0: <laughs> well, exactly. I think Joel Lane said basically, J.J. Ballard, he's basically an alien visiting this planet, or at least that was, oh, yeah. that was the feel you get from it. I mean, I think uh, somebody commented that miracle, his his autobiography, uh, Miracles of Life, which
1: was yeah. towards the end yeah. of
0: his life, not long after he'd been diagnosed, he received a terminal diagnosis, was, you know, sort of in many ways kind of humanized someone who'd often been seen as this very kind of cold, aloof, kind of, you know, sort of surveying everything with this kind of frozen, analytic stare that didn't actually admit any kind of normal emotional response. And, I know he's got him; He just didn't write about them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of the great things that Christian Bale, at, what, 13? does yes. <laughs> While playing Jim, <laughs> yeah, Jim Ballard in uh, Empire of the Sun, is he manages to get across... That by the end of it, when his parents find him again in that refugee camp, he's, he's sort of looking at them and he doesn't recognize them at all. And, you know, you you, you see him sort of touching his mother's um, lipstick uh, and you can sort of see the wheels turning in his head like, yeah, it could be her, you know. Um, what the hell? <laughs> you know, it's better he just staying that, here.
0: He, he <laughs> isn't that little boy anymore. Has changed. He has changed completely. But I mean, he was yeah, also, and he, to
1: some degree, he's like a he's like a sociopath. He's like a he's like a learned sociopath. You
0: know, I mean, he was always a weird. He annoying, annoying become shit, the beginning, You know, and uh, well, I, that's, that's certainly a weird, true. Little, a weird annoying little shit myself. Then you know, I can I can I can I can, I can
1: relate. I, I, right back at you. <laughs>
0: I can certainly um, see the so, the influence there on um, on um, Timothy darbinshire Is it T- in um,
1: the Emperor's uh, Old Bones? Starbersmere. Starbersmere. Sorry. I always see the uh, the the re youthified version of Tim as being like essentially uh, a younger Christian Bale. <laughs> <laughs> I can see
0: that. I can see that.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wearing like terrible nineteen seventies clothes. Big side burns. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Ellis, my dear. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Whatever type hand.
0: Yeah. I mean <laughs> we yeah, <laughs> I mean, we've got, yeah we've, so there's that authority kind of um self insertion, which is one way of one way of kind yes. of of doing it. There's always that sort of I mean it's, it is it, it is a way to help make what is, on the surface of things, an unbelievable narrative seem more believable um, or seem more real. Yeah, um, yeah, learned.
1: absolutely. And, you know, the thing that I've learned more and more as I've gotten older as a writer is that it's not just the massive leaps that you take, the massive imaginative leaps, it's also um, laying in the grit that becomes the pearl. And the grit is stuff from your own life. The grit oh, is okay. stuff from... Always, always.
0: As, as always. with anything, I mean, it's, it's one of the. I mean, character characterization is so, and an atmosphere particularly is so important in these things because, you know, without it, and I think this can be especially true of well, with horror, but with any kind of genre fiction that mm-hmm. relies or that has you know strongly established tropes, um, to, or, or or motifs in it, you've got to kind of have those. You if if you don't have that that character as you know strong sense of characterization you don't have a strong atmosphere then those tropes overwhelm it it becomes it becomes it becomes all about the mechanics rather than an organic kind of piece of work um
1: yeah so organically you know who can you create with more knowledge than a character that is like you um it could be like you at a certain moment it could be like you bedrock like what you think of as you know the if, if you had to describe yourself to somebody, you know who, who are you? what are you? Um, you know things things that run through my uh, my work, for example, there's a streak of perversity that you know connects um, Lois Cairns to, uh, <laughs> to 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 the ever popular chess targeter, you know. <laughs> Both of them are people uh, whose response to why or why not would be, well, because fuck you, that's why, you know? Yeah. Um, And that is, to me, uh, like a bedrock part of my personality for better or worse, you know? It's like I say less of that these days, and certainly less in person, but, um, but always there is, like, some part of me that's like, yeah, well, you—you, you, I know what you want me to do, but I'm just not going to do that. Um, and those are characters that I'm attracted to, and therefore those are the characters that you know my my work seems to uh, revolve around. Um, but sometimes it's also something as, uh, uh you know, it, I hesitate to call it simple because it's actually very very detail oriented, but it's it's something as specific as. You know, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write down everything that I remember of spe- specifically um, about. Being a security guard about having been a security guard for three years, you know. um, I made. Two particular sites uh, into um the background of a story that I wrote. Um yeah, at, at one point. And uh I made, you know, when people say, you know, where did the puppet motel come from? And I I <laughs> I really have to, you know, kind of smile and go, well, at one point I was managing two Airbnbs <laughs> at the same time, one of which was really fucking creepy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: A lot of it's just taking your own experience and just taking that little quarter turn to the to the left yeah. or the right to tip yeah. it. And I, thing.
1: you know, it's 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 useful to come out of a, um, you know, like a journalism background in that particular case for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean,
0: one, one writer I know we both like a great deal is Graham Masterton. Um, mm-hmm. And he sort of said that, you know, anyone, as far as he was concerned, if, if anybody wanted to be a writer, the best thing they could do would be to work as a journalist for a bit, yeah. because, uh, it, you've got that, you get that, that that very important work ethic where you have to, it's a job, you have to write every 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 you have to get up every morning and and write whether and write, or not right? you feel like it, whether or not you feel inspired, whether or not you're hungover or or or, yeah. or whatever, and and drive something
1: you, out you, and you also have to listen to people you know tell their yeah. own stories and that teaches you that there are different people in the world i mean i i think that was you know that that thing of theory of mind was harder for me to get for mm. than than other people but that's one of the biggest things that came out of uh my training as a journalist and my time as a journalist was going oh no actually it's great to listen to other people Yeah. <laughs> you know? it's kind of I, I, wonderful to listen to other people talk about their you know talk about their stuff and tell you things that you don't know and you know it teaches yeah. you that how people how people talk it teaches you how to uh, how to question them it teaches you you know what kind of questions to ask um, you know there's there's like three different stories that i've written so far maybe maybe more um that are just interviews wow between two characters so yeah it's fascinating to me after the fact how much um better my life became when i didn't have to worry about you know letting people know that i was a weirdo um you know when the burden of (laughs) when the burden of the conversation being driven is not on you uh, then you don't have to worry about getting hyperfixated and starting and starting to monologue about stuff that people don't give a shit about, uh, which is pretty much anything that you're interested in. Uh, instead, you can you can just be be like, oh yeah, you know, nice weather, absolutely. Um, yeah. Oh, oh. So what's going on with you? Tell me more about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And nine times out of ten, you you get something something interesting out of it. Something um there's always something uh, you know and and i think we're very quick to dismiss other people definitely but even to dismiss our own experiences as you know inherently boring you know this that that yes. thing that i that i've often said about oh, i don't want to write a fucking oprah book about my life you
0: know <laughs> yeah. and
1: yet um you know in some ways experimental film turned out to be that oprah book because it drew so heavily on personal experience and um the character was so patterned after after myself
0: what was um, your, what was your starting point with experimental film were you, were you starting with the idea i'm this is gonna this is kind of going to be the closest i'm ever going to get to writing an oprah book or did you start with with something else and kind of did it develop into yeah more-
1: um the latter absolutely the latter i had wanted to write something about um I had wanted to write something about a haunted film, and um, because that's that that idea has always interested me, and I wanted to set something against the background of the Canadian film industry and the weirdness, and um, you know, to be frank, the liminality of the Canadian film industry, because you know, uh, I used to interview a lot of people who did experimental filmmaking. um, uh, And, um, you know, so so much of the Canadian film industry is about, well, if you want to make a, you know, you want to make a Hollywood film, go to fucking Hollywood. (laughs) We're not gonna we're not gonna give you money to make that. (laughs) Um, Because Canadian culture is about trying to distinguish yourself from the United States. Um, Mm -hmm. In in Quebec, they can make genre films. Um, successful genre films as well as art house films and you know like the whole uh, the whole um come on spectrum of films because they do it in a different language so yeah. you know it's like is is this hollywood film no because people are no. speaking french <laughs> <Yeah>. no <laughs> what <laughs> excusez moi <laughs> No. Um, so uh so you know, but when you're when you're working as a Canadian in English language Canada and you're trying to make films, um, you're immediately at a disadvantage unless you want to if you want to make genre films. Uh so you know the the fact that the fact that David Cronenberg is like really when you think about it, our most successful genre filmmaker <laughs> yes. tells you a lot. <laughs> so immediately you're you're at a you're at a disadvantage, and and that therefore causes people to um, downplay the work that you do. Um, even people inside the industry. So you know when I was teaching um, when I was teaching Canadian film history, uh, I had to deal with the fact that um, there there wasn't one textbook that I thought was particularly good. All the textbooks had like good sections in them, but then you'd have this other stuff which, you know, just made it sound incredibly boring and incredibly dry. Or you would find it very difficult to, you know, because um, it wasn't so much that uh, people were um, just recording things um, objectively. It, everything was subjective everything was like you know well let me tell you about the uh, canadian tax shelter era uh, you know when this bunch of assholes made terrible <laughs> terrible pseudo hollywood films and ruined it for the rest of us <laughs> you know it's like and i knew those assholes and i will name them <laughs> you know? it's like, Every, yeah, everything's like that. Um, it's 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 fascinating. So, yeah, I knew that I wanted to um, talk about a haunted film and that I wanted to set it against that back, backdrop. And obviously, i I knew a lot about filmmaking and I knew a lot about um, you know, Canadian filmmaking because I had taught Canadian film history and because I, you know, I covered films inside of Canada. Um, and because, (laughs) because I've watched millions and millions of films, um, but the last part didn't fall into place for a very long time. I, I tried to write it from, um, from, you know, the, the, the point of view of a complete outsider at one point, uh, like a guy who was a... A journalist who was not involved with the Canadian film industry and in fact would be the person going the Canadian film industry I don't know much about that even though I myself am Canadian la, 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 la. and they're basically
0: sort you know, try- of going, <laughs> <laughs> why didn't you come to bitches be crazy um, as they're yeah. describing the kind of...
1: It, 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 it was, he was a little bitches but it'd be crazy as I recall um, and you know I tried to write it from Safi's point of view, uh, the point of view of um, the ex-student Uh, that Lois ends up, you know, hiring to help her uh, with her investigations. Um, I tried to, yeah, I tried to write it from, uh, I think I tried to write it from uh, Lois's husband's point of view at one point, you know, and then, and. And Point of view uh, except
0: he was most like yourself, basically.
1: Exactly, exactly. Because there was some part of me that was like, no, no, you can't do that. (laughs) <laughs> you absolutely can't do that close, the guys, easiest guys. thing to do the easiest thing to do You, but the easiest thing to do but also the most self-exposing thing to do right mm-hmm. so you know that I think was was what was you know holding me back and then I remember I had like a almost like a breakdown about it and you know and the next and and I, I remember saying to my friends at the time um, you know it's like I just, I just feel like if I can't crack this, oh man, I know I've written all these other things, but I feel like if I can't crack this, I'll just be, I'll just be useless. It'll be like I've been writing about other people's dreams for years, (laughs) you know, and never creating anything lasting of my own. And then the next morning I woke up and I went, A, that's a really good line, and B, that's how that works. She's you. Lois is you. Yeah. you have to fucking give her. You, you have to say, okay, Lois is the version of me that never was uh, a horror writer, you know, as well yeah. as being all the other things that I was. You know, She is the person the in the worst place, you know, the person that I was when I didn't know if my son loved me, the person that I was when I was super, super depressed. The person that I was when I was, you know, uh, like at my worst, at like three o'clock in the morning, you know, on a really, really bad day. And yeah, that's the a very
0: bad place. I mean, it's one of the things that really struck me about that book is it's very
1: mm-hmm.
0: at times it was, it's painfully honest.
1: And and my mom's not a not a bad parent. My mom's no, not no. a bad mom. She's she's a really great mom, you know. But she's a human being, and I'm a human being, and you know, it's like she you know she had her shed and me too you know and we yeah we went th- we went through some stuff <laughs> at any rate um so yeah once once I made that decision to you know to not let myself off the hook and to go okay that all right you yeah go the Oprah book r- route but everything else is horror. <laughs> The great yeah, part okay. is that the Oprah the Oprah book stuff makes the horror better. It yeah. makes it so much better.
0: I mean, I often find in some of this is it's like I would I don't think I could I don't think I mean if I am yeah, I mean, like I don't think I could write an Oprah book or such. I couldn't sit down and write. I'm going to write my Oprah book kind of thing. But mm. um, you know, give me give me something else to use as a jumping off point. Give me some weird. Some some weird premise, some some creepy, some creepy shit to write about, and you know, th- with that as a kind of as a as a as a lever, as a fulcrum, as a vantage point, I can yeah, I can, it'll dredge up all this other stuff, you know, it'll, it'll yeah, I'll write I'll end up writing about stuff that actually, you know, is about me, even if it's not always necessarily apparent on the surface. Like I say, a lot of the time, I mean, I think I'm still I still seem to be in the phase of largely writing. Writing characters who tend to be quite different from me, but now and again I often, but a lot of other times I kind of think, no, all these characters are just either versions of me or version or Mary or kind of Mary sued versions of me. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah you know, exactly.
1: You know,
0: a lot of the a lot, yeah. I often write characters who've got the kind of qualities I I would like to think I I, I really wish I, I would love to have I would like to have in certain situations. I mean, I know that you know, in a shit hit the fan sort of situation. We all we all like to think we would be the the person is like, Okay, everybody stay calm, we'll get out of this and I will just go and kick the shit out of these werewolves or, or whatever. But I'm far more likely to <laughs> who's like like blubbering under the table or who does something incredibly stupid out of sheer panic that gets everybody killed or or gets bitten Mm -hmm. by the werewolf and desperately tries to hide it before, you know, yeah. Um,
1: (laughs) I I used to have this obsession with uh, characters um, who had glasses uh and I think uh, the last time that I that I you know like characters in in movies or you know whatever uh, for example, I I developed this theory that um Cassius from Julius Caesar probably needed glasses because he says my, my sight was ever thick and he has to get his slave to tell him what's going on on the other end of the uh, of the battlefield and his slave <laughs> lies to him and he ends up killing himself. <laughs> But um, I, I think the last time I did that was when I was watching. Um, come on, uh, The Walking Dead, and yeah. uh, and and I I spent a while going. Oh yeah, nobody has glasses because all the people who had glasses died <laughs> in like the
0: yeah. first. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing to I me mean, because I, I I have glasses and without my and without spec without the specs I'm I'm as blind as a bat. Um, oh yeah. I, I, if if, I lo- if if anything, if uh, in in the event of some big disaster, if I lost if I lost those, I would be fucked. I would be absolutely fucked. I wouldn't last a week uh, <laughs> without a yeah. without a responsible adult at least to help me uh, help me. Around. I mean, you, you get into that kind of. I mean, it's I've yeah. I can
1: I can see a, I can see about a foot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm... and it's getting worse. It get, it gets worse every day, and you know, and so and so. Sometimes I would fixate on a character like, um, for example, the governor's sidekick, um, whose name I can't remember. It began with an M. Um, Milton, yeah, Milton, who who did have glasses, and I was like, that's why you ended up hanging around with the governor. <laughs> because you have glasses and you know that he's likely to make sure that you don't lose your glasses and die
0: <laughs> I mean I've often I've often kind of toyed with the idea of writing a kind of you know because I mean what I'm often haunted. I've often been haunted by the vision of you know sort of like some form of terrible social collapse, you know, coming in the the near future, the yeah. climate catastrophe, uh, uh, you know, global war, but civil breakdown, whatever. And always this that this yeah. thing, you know, in the kind of uh, Darwinian sort of society that people, uh, you know, we used to sort of visualizing through, you know, the, kind of the Mad Max kind of movies. It's like I'd have the, you know, I would have the life expectancy of you know uh a snowball and a on a hot plate basically um sure. but uh, you know i kind of so i'm kind of like you know my, my mind's kind of evolving defense mechanisms against this awful horror so thinking, well you know you could maybe uh, you could be the cook maybe you know you can make it you can make a decent <laughs> stir fry or or you, know, you could you could be like the storyteller you could be you know when, when everyone's like huddled on the hillside looking at the smoldering ruins of the city below um and you know the 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 night is dark and cold and endless around them and as and as bleak and as bleak and vast and unknowable as the future you know here's this, tubby little fucker um, who can tell you can tell a a story that makes people laugh or or gives them a, a, a pleasant kind of pleasing Jamesian kind of terror or something that makes, that takes their mind yeah. off it. And suddenly, you know, you've got a skill that's actually valuable and can keep you alive. Um, and I've yeah. always meant to do something with this idea, not least because you could weave so many other narratives into it, like a kind of Decameron oh, or, yes. or, or, or thousand and one nights kind of, kind of thing.
1: Um, well, I, I've always, I've always loved that uh, scene in uh, rain reign of fire. Um, the the dragon movie where uh, Kristen Bale and his best friend are doing a ver- performing a version of uh, Star Wars <laughs> for <laughs> for these kids. <laughs> it's like, but you see, Luke, you do not know that I am your father. <laughs> and, and like, oh my god. <laughs> Fight me now. No.
0: <laughs> I mean, ca- character is so important. It is. I think a lot of the time when I've struggled to, to to write anything, a lot of it's been finding the right kind of voice or the right point of view, uh, the right person to actually tell it, to actually tell that story. And sometimes it is yeah. you know, just a case of just keep it simple and just go with, you know, sort of a very, or sometimes, sometimes start writing the story and you'll find out who, the person telling it is um
1: yeah exactly but this. but it's true that voice um you know that thing of boy of voice my parents are both ac- actors as mm. as you know and um so i grew up around actors uh seeing a lot of theatrical stuff listening to um them take each other on their lines uh going through scripts that they were that they were acting in at the time and I became very, very aware of, you know, like one of the earliest things that I saw them in was um Under Milkwood. Yeah. Uh, by Dylan Thomas. And um, you know, so I, I became very aware early on and yeah, and they also used to they also used to read things like Twelfth Night to me when I was a kid. <laughs> You know, it's like, yep, yep, mom's going to be, uh, (laughs) mom's going to be in this, so (laughs) let's, let's, let's just read through this, you know, it's like, well, this, this is weird, and people are, are talking really strangely, but at the same time, I'm really getting it, it's coming across, and, you know, so that idea of, um, you know, learning people's voices that people can speak in a in a very very different way from you, and yet you can, if you listen carefully to them, um, sort of learn their language and uh, learn how to interpret it, and then then you're listening to somebody tell you an amazing story. Um, but secondarily, there's that whole idea of a monologue, you know, mm. and a monologue is you know like a snippet of somebody telling you a story somebody that you do not know and you have to learn everything about them through this story that they're telling it's one of the reasons that I like first person Um, yeah I I remember uh, I remember um, I was reading Caitlin R. Kernan's uh, blog back when she was on LiveJournal and she used to talk about how diff how difficult she found first person and um, because because it, it just, it sounded fake to her. And it was very much that that thing of, you know, um, this person could be presenting themselves in any way. You have no idea if this is true or not. And I was like, no, no, no. But that's what's so great about first-person yeah. narrative is, is that, you know, yes, they are absolutely presenting them, themselves the way that they want to present themselves, but... Stuff is going to come through, which is going to tell you if they're lying or if they're not lying. <laughs> stuff is going to come through, which is going to, you know, um, yeah. Exactly. You
0: know. It's getting the buggers to actually, w- 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 once you actually, once you can actually get some sense of them as act- uh, the characters as actually being people, um, as yes. opposed to just these figures you're moving around. Then a lot of the t- then, you know a lot of the a lot of the work's done for you. You just kind of let them. Let them do the thing, kind of thing, and uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. And and in a weird way, um, you know, y- you wanted to talk about uh, each thing I show you as a piece of my death. Yeah, because that's and a little really how cool. how that came, yeah, how that came together as a as a found footage narrative, um, which it absolutely is. It's actually, uh, um,
0: it's actually it's actually a collaborative piece isn't it with, with you and your yeah between, that's right and Steve Be-
1: between me and my uh, and my husband uh, Stephen J Beringer um who who shows up in experimental film as Simon yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the guy that the guy that everybody says is uh well no uh, the guy that some dumb dumb guys have said is uh uh what is it whipped? <laughs> because he doesn't leave me. <laughs> that was and and by the way, that was an that was absolutely an actual choice from my point of view. Because every time you read something about <laughs> about a a married couple uh, with an autistic child uh, where things aren't super easy, nine times out of ten the dude takes off. And uh, A, that wasn't true. And B, I didn't want to make it true either.
0: <laughs> i right. Why should you?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, the weird part is that because my my husband is a is a Catholic, um, he is more likely to re- to believe me if I say something like, you know, so an ancient goddess is, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> has turned her horrible eyes on me. <laughs>
0: Oh you too. <laughs> I thought it was just me uh, this week.
1: Yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> you know, it's like I've, I've got some ideas, you know, no we're not going to a priest. <laughs> it's like okay, but <laughs> at any rate. Um so yeah, with uh which with each thing, um I started out with uh two characters who were going to introduce themselves as collaborative experimental filmmakers. And um, they were based on two people that, in the experimental filmmaking, um, you know, world of Toronto, that I had interviewed at one time or another. And um,
0: Experimental film.
1: Yeah, Soraya Moosh is one of them, and she shows up in experimental film at okay. one point. Um, Safi is... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> the, the woman who doesn't do film anymore <laughs> yes. <That'd be> fun. <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> yeah yeah safi was like uh, working with her on a um an art an art piece uh, which is entirely um about auditory stuff uh so yeah and the other one being uh max Holberg um and so I was like, both of these people were really interesting people to talk to. I know I know enough about them to be able to, uh, you know, sort of cobble versions of them together. Um, and wouldn't it be interesting if they were friends and they worked together? Um, you know, sort of like RRR, <laughs> which is which is in a lot of ways uh, like you know, the Indian version of uh you know, if um Sean Brown and Nate Turner had worked together, maybe both of them ha- wouldn't have ended up dying and they would have freed a lot more slaves. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Um so started with that, uh Alex Alec Christian, who is the person who writes the um Uh, no, he doesn't write it, but, uh, he's mentioned in the, um, part at the beginning where the guy's writing about the background man phenomenon, uh, is also based on a person that I know, that I knew in Toronto, um, and Alec Christian later shows up in experimental film again. Uh, he runs the website that, uh, Lois is, is writing for at the beginning. Um, and, you know, uh, I thought of the dude who writes that article as being sort of like me in my, I'm writing an article about something interesting in the film scene mode, um, and everything else, uh, the places where Steve came in most clearly were, were in, um, doing all the research that i I sometimes don't do particularly well things like okay so if you're uh if you're recording a police interview how is that laid out (laughs) if you are uh you know if you are talking about stuff that you found in an evidence locker how is that laid out (laughs) if there A forensic report how do you how do you lay that out stuff like that um and you know uh and we did some back and forth stuff which is always useful um but essentially uh it it all came out of knowing that i could talk persuasively about things that most people probably didn't know much about and that is where i find that characters come from for me um You know, and sometimes it's something as ostensibly simple as, you know, let me tell you a story about how I ended up, um, you know, running two Airbnbs and some of the dumb shit that happened to me during that time period. Um, And sometimes it's uh, something a little more complicated, like, you know, uh, what is experimental filmmaking? What uh, What is an exquisite corpse? You know, um, how do you, how would you put one together over the internet? Um, Luckily, a couple of people already had put together an exquisite corpse um, made of other people's footage uh, being sort of, you know, stuck together haphazardly over the internet. Um, And so I was able to move, move outwards from that and then, and then, and then, and then. Um, but I've you know the the i I think you can absolutely say that um the idea of the background man is like a <laughs> not quite a first run at lady midday, but sort of a first run at lady midday because it it takes off from that old old idea of whatever you do in front of a camera is imbued with magical power, yeah. And, um, you know, that old, old idea that comes from stories about the first filmmaking and episodes and the first film showing episodes, you know, things like, um, the people who, uh, saw the train coming in and thought that it was going to come through the window, (laughs) through the wall, you know, it's like, is that really true, but it's a great story, Yes. you know, um, Yes. So stuff like that. Um, Other than that, just, you know, remembering those three things, right? Provenance and presentation and liminality.
0: And at that point, we're going to take a short break here, uh, i.e. for a week, because we recorded nearly two hours worth of this stuff. And we figured that was kind of a little bit too much to expect anyone to have to sit through in one go. Um, So we're going to. Cut it there, and we'll be back next week with even more of this <laughs> stuff. Uh, if you think, if you, if you can bear it.
1: Um, so, we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please hit the like and share buttons. You can find us on YouTube, Stitcher, Anchor, SoundCloud, Cloud, and Spotify.
0: And if you want to support the podcast, you can make a one off donation over at our Ko fi page or subscribe to our Patreon for access to exclusive content.
1: And to get the heads up on what's coming next, find us on Twitter or check out our website at https uh, backslash backslash no darkness but ours dot Wixsite.com backslash podcast.
0: There we go. <laughs> I really am going to have to figure out a more uh, a, a snappier name for our for our website. I think. <laughs> Possibly. Until then, anyway, we will see you next week. And until then, I have been Simon Vestrick.
1: And I, as usual, am Gemma Files.
0: And this, of course, has been and remains...
1: No darkness, but ours.